0: Welcome to the SaaS Ad Lab podcast, where we interview the stories of SaaS founders, entrepreneurs, and CEOs. My name is Luis. I'm the founder of Phantom Agency, a digital marketing agency specialist in scaling SaaS companies. And today I have the pleasure of interviewing Antti. He is the CEO over at Loyalistic. Thank you so much for being on here today. It's a pleasure having you. And to get started, right, I know you're in Finland, it's late, but uh, why don't you just dive into, you know, how you got into the tech space? How did you get into software as a service? And what did that really look like? What kind of background do you have?
1: Uh it's a, it's a bit of a long story. Uh it's over 20th year with this company and, and we uh transitioned from uh consulting based uh custom built projects to SaaS and and little by little towards uh, more product-based, more marketing-based uh models with several pilots on the way and now which we are we are on the let's say on the final right. it
0: iteration. <laughs> and, and that's, tip, that's something that I hear a lot right specifically with like consultants or agencies and I think there's, there's a, obviously a trend with that is you're working with a ton of people you start to realize you know there's a couple of gaps here that can be filled by, by uh, software right? like not necessarily a human but like even just things that you start to do over and over and over again maybe yeah. we can do something to, to just get this you know streamlined and as automated as possible so I'm guessing that's kind of what happened
1: yeah that's, that's exactly what happened um uh, we started to transition to saas um uh, let's say almost 10 years ago but it took quite quite some time before uh we we probably switched to the full saas something like 3 years ago mm-hmm, only mm-hmm. so even though this has been a long transition it's uh we kind of consider us a 3 years old company at the moment
0: yeah, <laughs> if, yeah. even
1: though technically we are t- over 20 years old and but what the business why It took some time to uh, to really get the
0: sauce. That makes sense. And what did that transition look like? And what are the main differences, in your opinion, right from from being a consultancy, uh, a consulting firm, and then, you know, not suddenly, right? Like you said, it, it took you it took you a lot of time, definitely to to to, to bridge that gap from being, uh, you know, hands on firm to actually becoming a software as a service. There's got to be a lot of things that change within that period of time. But what are the main differences, specifically speaking, to the sales process, right? Because getting clients is going to be much, much different. So I'd like to hear, you know, what was the the client acquisition strategies back in the day when you were a firm compared to what you're doing now to to get more people on board?
1: When we were consulting, consultancy, uh, basically, it was a solution sales process. And uh, each, let's say, each customer case was a bit different, and you made your uh, proposal and so forth. And and as we transitioned to science, uh, the technical technical aspect was much more smaller thing than the the, the actual uh, sales process. As I said, uh, on the custom case is you can adapt your offering to each customer quite easily you can speak uh, let's say even though you are basically selling uh, productized offering in a sense you can still uh, offer it to differently to different customers you can even say that it is a different thing if you like uh, but going to the model where you you have something you have um you have your marketing material, you have specifications and so forth, and you, you have to sell that one, one piece <laughs> and yeah. you, you cannot customize it. it. It takes a lot of time. It's, it's uh, difficult to find a market that's it's, uh, large enough to get some, uh, some volume
0: mm-hmm.
1: where you have similar cases coming inside your, uh, right. your, your door and not a little bit different cases mm-hmm. where you have to add up your offering each time a bit.
0: What, this might be a, a, you know, obviously it's a, it's a skewed kind of question, but what was easier to sell something that was customized every single time or trying to sell just, you know, this is what it is. And, and if you get it, if you want it, you can get it. If you're not, then you're going to have to go somewhere else to find another solution. And with that question too, it comes to other, you know, side of things where a lot of people in the software space, right. They'll go in building a product, but they'll iterate that version of the product to match whatever a specific customer might be asking for that period of time because they are so, you know, essentially they're so lightweight at that time when they're just starting off that they have the ability to say, okay, well, we have, you know, five customers. Let's go ahead and make that specific solution for this one.
1: Yeah, the the first iteration of our SaaS, SaaS platform, one of our SaaS products at that time was basically that you can easily customize it to different customers. So it's it was basically more like a platform or rather than a product. And right. and with each iteration, every two years or so, we transition to a new kind of offering to new kind of customers. Where where the onboarding gets easier and easier and easier. And we're still not fully there. That we can remove the human touch out of the onboarding right. process, but we are quite close at the moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, and each time we have changed the market and the product and, and price point and so forth. So it's basically totally different product, a totally different, different market.
0: What was the, the, the market that you were going for initially?
1: Uh, the first initial market was digital, digital asset management. The second one was uh, building portals, as we have done quite a few customer portals uh, and now we are in between we had one for uh customer loyalty, and this one is basically marketing automations for small b2 bs
0: mm-hmm. And how our are- transition yeah that's that's a I mean that's three completely different products.
1: Totally different products and and the, the f- funny thing is that we still have customers in each of these mm. Although we don't have any mention of, of the the last products on, on our website or any any anywhere on our marketing material
0: And how, do, how does that work right because now essentially like really you have three different Not companies, but you have three different three different types of products right? you have you have the the the, the portals you have the content management slash marketing automation yeah. and you have the other one but does that mean that you're i mean i would think that now you're not making updates or you're not making any changes to the to the you know to the first iteration
1: yeah uh, and you're only you're, you're all you right you're right we're basically milking out those products so we try to minimize everything we do with those customers mm-hmm. and 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 enjoy the monthly revenue as long as it comes with a uh, minimum minimum investment. So basically, right. we maybe need to support them every few months or so. So it always takes some time to figure out what was the product, <laughs> what we were thinking at that. <laughs> yeah, back. I don't even remember what it
0: was. That's funny. Yeah. yeah. Um, so what is what is really you know. Client acquisition look like? What, what, what are the main marketing activities right now that Loyalistic is, is spending time on investing money in to, to bring in new users into the marketing automation platform?
1: Uh, let me just answer it um, with a little bit of a twist. So, we made a one big mistake that most of the SaaS companies in Finland do, and that was to start with uh, Finnish clients. Mm. And even though our aim is to go abroad or to go global, starting with uh with local market has its consequences, and, and nowadays we're a bit of stuck with the uh the operations we are running here in Finland and starting the, the English language operation on side, and they are so different with each other, and it's kind of let's put it that way, the situation with the, the Finnish market is that uh, in the small market you have to be quite broad. You have to uh, there's not not many niches that are big enough. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh,
1: not even to run, a, for example, a ad campaign for one keyword or something like that. So the volumes are not there, meaning that you are all over the place basically, and also. In the smaller markets, you need to be quite close to the customer, and with the price point that you are trying to reach, which is quite low, you kind of it's really hard to get it financially viable. Mm
0: -hmm. Uh,
1: The customer acquisition cost is too high for the customer lifetime value, basically. Right. Uh, because you are doing so many things, uh, you are too close to the customer, you cannot get the uh, messaging just right. You cannot build the funnels because you don't have a fu- volume to
0: handle you don't have a traffic, uh, to, Right.
1: Yeah, at least on the deeper side of the, the funnels, you kind of don't have volume to automate it. And you have to use manual labor there and... and mm-hmm. So at, at the moment, we are in a situation where we are upgrading the uh, local market offering with some agency-based uh, stuff to increase the um, annual customer value. And on the other hand, we are um, building uh, online, online trading modules for the English language one because the, so the product is a bit too difficult
0: to, to, to onboard online online training what 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 exactly does the online training um you know comp, comp, comprise of uh
1: basically about uh how to run uh, how to build a content marketing content based marketing operation for a
0: small b2b company and how are you getting people to that training
1: we are at the moment building the training so okay Basically, we are going to market it as as people are selling online courses in general. And the the product will be, let's say, an add-on, if if you like. Quite similar to what what ClickFunnels is doing, basically, in their marketing. So they are selling the the product as an add-on initially. And once you have consumed the training part, you are basically... Uh, end up being a end subscription customer.
0: Totally, totally, hundred percent. What does the team look like over at Loyalistic? Is it is everyone remote? Is do you have people uh, working in the, in the office there in Finland? Uh, what does that look like?
1: We have a couple of guys working uh, at the office, and and basically, uh, we are using partners to scale up our operation. Uh, local partners, uh, which we work in both ways, so to speak. We help their business, they help our business, but we don't need a, a huge team as the product is quite quite ready. We don't what have is- much problems in the product side.
0: Can you elaborate a little bit on, on what you mean by partners, that you, like you're talking about partners that are helping you with customer acquisition or partners that are helping you with building the product further?
1: Uh, the product is quite ready, so we usually let's, let's uh, start from that side. Uh, most of the feature requests uh, are coming internally, not from the customers. So we are pushing sure. the product uh, much farther than the customers are requiring. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the, that's not a bottleneck. On the other hand, we are working quite much with the, with certain local agencies uh scaling our operation here so uh joint joint uh for example joint webinars uh joint offerings like um uh, consultancy sets in the early early phase were um, for a little bit bigger customers and, and so forth so mm-hmm it's it's quite a complicated operation really and and that's also the point that the local market requires quite a quite a complex and complicated operation so to get a
0: bit of the stream here and there when it comes to to the marketing of things right like obviously marketing locally like you said there it's very limited right you have you have not a lot of people in specific niches so even if you want for that essentially you would exhaust them you know almost immediately so like what is the most important thing in your in your opinion, uh, in order to really educate people to get them into the funnels, to get them to understand what the product is, what what does that marketing activity can uh, you know, what does that mean? What is it, what is that to you?
1: We have made our mistakes there, <laughs> and and if if I start from that side, is that the first mix mistake? we made is that our own marketing is so close to what we are teaching our customers to do that we sometimes mix them up and end up in situation where we were using the tactics that our customers should be using whereas our price point is 10x lower than our customers price point and and um that's actually what we have done in 2019 basically that we were um, marketing in a way that um, let the customers think that our product is a bit too complicated, bit too pricey, even though that we basically made it clear the price point, what the product is about, it's simple, and so forth. But on the other hand, the webinars, the podcast, and so forth, make it look like a, uh, let's say, 10x product and not 1x product. Mm-hmm. Something that where you need to have a project, it takes several months to, to buy and you have to meet the vendor several times and so forth. It's kind of just made it look like that. Yeah. And that that's one one message then I have for our customers that you, you really have to be careful that your marketing operation uh, paints the same picture as what, what your product uh, about the simplicity of your product that, uh, and the price point, and so forth. So, yeah, I have an enterprise process. If you have a cheap product,
0: exactly, it, it's something important to note, right? If essentially, like, if you're adding too many st- too many steps, you could potentially be spending more than you need to to start acquiring users, right? Like, if you're doing if you're doing a, a very long funnel, um, and 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 in reality, you could be doing a very direct response, you know, tr- type of advertising, you, you could potentially be shooting yourself in the foot by elongating the time it takes for somebody to actually make a decision, which means that you're at the same time, you know, enlarging the, 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 the cost of acquisition for that customers where it, it, if you were to go, you know, just very direct response straight into the point, you could cut back a lot of that you know, a lot of that marketing budget and and decrease the number of, of dollars that are you know dollars that it takes for you to acquire a new customer, which means you could potentially deal with a shorter lifetime value per customer.
1: Yeah, yeah. It could kind of too easily uh, you could just make a cognitive dissonance for the customer that you're saying one thing about your marketing kind of paints a totally different picture with yeah. too complicated kind of things that you have a lot of stuff in your funnel or like we have a podcast where we talk a lot, uh, a lot about high-level marketing stuff. It just kind confuses. of, uh, yeah, it's an enterprise stuff. Yeah. whereas the, you're targeting SMEs, basically. Right. Exactly. You're teaching them best practice, whereas they need something very, let's say, very easy. <laughs>
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's going to, it's going to seem way too complicated for them. And it's like, that's already, like you said, it's cognitive dissonance, right? And, and they're going to want to essentially disassociate from whatever it is you're presenting, because again, it, it just seems way too complicated for them to even want to take part of that. Yeah. Uh, but I think that makes complete sense. Now to kind of switch, you know, the conversation here a little bit, I always like to talk about the more personal side of, of building, you know, the company, building the team, being an entrepreneur overall and, and really, you know, understand a little bit more of what that's meant for you so far. But if you were to look back in time, you know, say when you first, not when you first started the, the, the consultancy, but when you first decided, Hey, let's, let's switch here and and let's become a more product based company, right? More a SaaS company. If you, could, if you could tell yourself one thing to do differently or, or if there's one thing that you'll learn from that transition and you can pass that on for somebody so that they can make better decisions, what would that be? I think the
1: thing that I said earlier is that don't start with the local customers. That Especially if you are in a small local market country like Finland, five and a half million people. Meaning that uh, quite easily you don't have large enough pockets of demand to build a marketing or product-led uh, growth-based operation. And that probably would be the, the biggest takeaway for me and also something that I quite much advocate to, to the people in, uh, in the SaaS club that I'm running, that don't make this mistake. I have mm-hmm. done it uh, it's just been done on the companies where I'm investor or a board member, and it's always a bad idea they just have to do it in uh, the other way around even though it's always said that start from the local market but it's okay if your local market is us hey right you have 300 million people speaking some, one language and not right. not. Five million here, and eight million there, and ten million there, and everybody's the speaking different language and different culture, and so forth. So, <clears throat> Europe is not one market; it's thirty-five yeah. different markets.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's 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 huge. There's a lot of different cultures, a lot of different you know languages that are being spoken. Uh, so, I definitely agree with that. You know, it like, and the thing is, the people that are saying start locally are probably the people in the U.S. So that's where that you know, the the the, the wrong um idea starts to become you know not so right anymore but aside from that you know obviously you've been you've you've been through quite a few pivots uh with leistically so what is it that you know when do you know it's time to change and that's a it's a very hard question right like it it like it's hard because you don't know what's going to happen But when do you know, you know, it's time to pivot?
1: I think when you don't have a plan where you believe in. So kind of if you if you think about the figures, you think about how you are going to draw it and so forth, it's, don't think you, you'll you see the light out outside of the tunnel. You mm-hmm. kind of, uh, it doesn't add up. Yeah. Uh, in a, sense, and you start to see that okay, the customer acquisition costs are too high, you are not getting the volume, you are not uh finding a way out of there you you cannot raise the price, you don't seem to have a an additional market to go after or a different uh use case or something like that, and
0: it's kind of but but the but, faith <laughs> but that could always be you know. I guess in in my head a pivot is you know it's 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 the most drastic change because you've tried everything whereas there are many other things that could have been done right for, for example let's say that the first the first uh variation of the product didn't go well and that was because of a local market uh you know sort mm-hmm. of limit there does it mean that you have to pivot or does that mean that you have to go after a different market? If you have
1: painted yourself in a corner in a sense that uh, if you start with a large larger market in the first place, you probably have much more leeway to do, th- do stuff. Okay, you are b- probably burning more money and, and uh, your initial growth is probably slower before you kind of get everything running. Uh, but if you if you have started from the local market, it's kind of, it, okay, it doesn't make sense to continue this way and you don't have the two years to start going after the, the, the global market because you probably... missing so many things your delivery model in a local market is probably a bit different at least the onboarding customer success stuff like that Uh, you probably have um, training operations stuff like that that are local your sales process starts to have uh, a physical meeting
0: based exactly and so forth Yeah, that's, that's, that's one of the things that I talked about in a, in a previous uh, podcast with another person, right, is changing countries and and, and changing markets. And it doesn't only mean talking to different people, but you have to think of the culture, you know, you know, aspects of things, because for example, I'm from Mexico, right. And, and, and even though I haven't lived there, I've only lived there I only lived there for 10 years. you know, just knowing the people there, they're not going to be so happy, or not not happy, but they're not going to be so fast to subscribe to something, because they like to 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 like you said, they like to have those 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 monthly meetings in person and stuff like mm-hmm. that. So it's going to be a lot harder for a company to go and say, okay, let's go into this new market, because they have some different expectations. So it's always gonna like there's always those little things to think to think about that. If you, unless you're experiencing them, you're not going to know until you're there.
1: Yes, and, and uh, if you start with the local market or per market-based strategy, you basically have to have a, a ACV quite high. Um, but if you work in the where your ACV is like thousands of uh, dollars or something like that, not several tens of thousands. <laughs> yeah. uh, you you don't have much leeway mm-hmm. if you need to go to to meet them or uh, learn the local um, adjust your model to the local market. It's quite hard to do if if your ACV is let's say only let's say twenty thousand, yeah, or two thousand, or one thousand, like in our yeah. case,
0: yeah. There's there's definitely some 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 things to think about with those you know different scenarios. If you could do one thing for loyalistic right this moment, what would that be?
1: The one thing that we should have done several times along the way is to the kill the Finnish market operation faster. But yeah. it's so difficult to do because, in a sh- always in a short run, you, you you have the pipeline, and it's more likely to convert than investing to the international operation, which will take always to take much longer. And this is exactly the same problem that many many other founders here are having. It's yeah. always easier to run. Alongside your bicycle cycle, rather than stop and mount on the bike and start start Boy. pedaling.
0: Yeah. Now this is this is a very broad question, but what's the what's your biggest accomplishment with um, with loyalistic?
1: I think we have built several great products along the way. Uh, we have failed on finding the uh, scalable. Growth model finding the big enough uh, market segment. We have found quite a many customers, but not enough uh, to build a scalable operation on those. Uh, so I would say that on on the product side, we we have done a, quite a many products uh, fairly early. Uh, so. Um, Several years before the market get hot on that category, but they've mm-hmm. always failed on on commercializing that.
0: if you, yeah. if you like, that makes sense. That I mean, that's good. You know, it's always good to to fail fast and fail forward. You've definitely learned from from all those different things that you've tried and and went after. So I think that I mean, I believe those are are accomplishments within themselves for sure. And uh, to kind of like start wrapping things up here, Auntie. Where can people find you online?
1: Uh, Loyalistic.com, obviously, and antipiatilla.com. Okay. Uh, Both handles in all social media sites, basically.
0: Great. Awesome. So if anybody wants to connect with Auntie, make sure you follow him. Go to his website, loyalistic.com. And uh, if you have any questions, shoot him over to him. And uh, do you have any questions for me? Not at the moment, I, I think. Okay. And uh, I guess that wraps it up. Thank you so much, Ansi, for being on here today. It's a pleasure having you. And uh, for anybody that's watching or listening, make sure to rate the, the podcast, give it a thumbs up, leave a comment if you want, and we'll get back to you. And uh, we'll catch you soon. Thank you so much, Ansi. Thank you for having me. Take care.